0: Slash MV Bible or YouTube at youtube.com slash MV Bible. Magic Valley Bible Church built on God's Word.
1: Please take your Bibles and open them to Mark chapter 1. We started this July 4th actually. The Gospel of Mark, we're still in chapter 1, so thank you for your grace and patience in that. It's, but it's such a, <clears throat> an important gospel, as every jot and tittle of the Word of God is, for our souls. The title of today's sermon is Christ's Authority. Let me read our, our narrative that encompasses our study this morning. I want you to start with me by looking at verse 21, and the Word of God reads this. They went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and began to teach. They were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority, not as the scribes. Just then, there was a, a man in the synagogue which, with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, What business do we have with each other, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. Throwing him into convulsions, the unclean spirit cried out with a loud voice and came out of him. They were all amazed, so that they debated among themselves, saying, What is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey Him. Immediately, the news about Him spread everywhere into all the surrounding district of Galilee. Let us pray. Father, we come to Your Word this morning, desiring to have the Spirit and the truth pierce our souls. An important truth comes out of this, Lord, that we desire to grasp and to hold. And that simple truth is that Christ has all authority. Spirit, I ask that you teach us, that you would draw us closer to you. And through to the Savior, Father, may we we understand the significance of this. And so we ask that you be with your servant as he desires to honor you with, with his lips. We pray these things. In Jesus' name, amen. The Gospel of Mark has been laying down for us significant pieces of the foundation of Christ's earthly ministry. We noted that that Mark is going from point to point to point to point. He's establishing up to this point some significant understanding of why Jesus is the Messiah, he clearly told us in verse 1 of Mark 1 that those pieces, they, they flow out of the beginning of the gospel. He says that, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and he then goes forth and given us that understanding. And so he's been giving us bullet point by bullet point where they all establish Jesus as the Son of God, as Jesus as the Messiah. That is, this is God's anointed one. This is what all the Old Testament prophecies have been pointing to. Remember, there's been roughly 400 years of silence, and all of a sudden, bursting onto the scene, is John the Baptist pointing to the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is God's servant. This is God's man. And then we saw, in the midst of our study, that to authenticate this truth, to put his hand, godly hand on it, Mark details not only the forerunner of John the Baptist, but he he brings us to the point where Jesus is baptized and where the heavens are opened and the Spirit descends like a dove and everything is ready and set. The authority. God audibly spoke there, saying that this is my beloved Son. He clearly wants us to get it. Everybody that was there, they understood that God was moving He was baptized not because of the remission of his sins, but because he was pointing to the fact that that this is God's mark. This is God's man. And then what's interesting to me, Mark briefly, and I mean briefly, makes reference that Satan tried to overthrow this this plan by by tempting Jesus in the wilderness. But to no avail, Satan is, is thwarted here by the word of God and the faithful, and a faithful Lord and Savior. Of course, he's divine. He has a purpose. He has a plan. He will execute it. Then he jumps quickly to the calling of four fishermen, his first four disciples, who all considered the cost and left what they were doing and followed Jesus. Jesus. All that sets the stage for Jesus to begin his earthly ministry. And this is where we find ourselves in this gospel. For Jesus to begin his way towards the cross and, and die and resurrect and ascend back to his rightful places at the hand of God, he must establish authority. In other words, he must show that nothing will thwart his plan that he has ultimate authority, he has supreme authority. And he does that in a mighty way, not only in how he taught, but also in his ministry, commanding the unclean spirits to to run and flee. It's a very interesting passage to think about when you think about establishing authority. Jesus had every right to walk into the synagogue and said, listen, I'm the man, I'm the guy, I am God, follow me. End of story. To some degree, he does that here. Though Mark doesn't give us any color when it comes to what he taught, what he does tell us is that the people were amazed. They were astonished. We'll look what that means here in just a minute. But nothing, and I mean nothing, will thwart the eternal plan of God. Like I said earlier, Jesus had already shrugged off Satan. And here in our passage, we see Jesus having this ultimate and supreme authority over not only the religious establishment of the day, but also Satan's minions. And he begins his earthly ministry here. I mean, it makes sense for us that Jesus would establish this authority. And the the question is, why? Because he must exercise power over the the, the current religious system, he must help them understand what, what they're doing is wrong and that he is Lord. And he not only throws the religious system of the day, but he also defeats Satan's minions, the ruler of this world. It makes sense for Jesus to be king, for Jesus to be Lord. He must break these two strongholds in order to minister to the souls of the people that he came to save. We know that to be true. We know that when we look at the Gospels and in particular how the Pharisees, the scribes, Sadducees all dealt with Jesus. They put a heavy yoke on the people. We also know that we see throughout, and Mark will again show us this amazing authority over demons throughout his gospel, but, but it makes sense for us, for Jesus to establish his kingdom, he must be in charge of even the, the, the minions of the day. He must, and get this, he will break the change of those two strongholds so as to proclaim his message of truth. And boy, does he put his power on display in our text today. He will show us his authority in his ministry and in his teaching, which in turn impacts the people, which, by the way, beloved, still has an impact on your soul even this morning. So let's go to our text. I think it's a pretty simple narrative. You'll see this break out for us. The text is is going to show us Christ's authority in, in like I say, two areas. The first one Authority is in teaching. We see this in verse 21 and 22. Look again at verse 21. It says, They, and of course, they are the four new disciples, the fishermen, and of course, Jesus, and maybe even some others that were following him around, they went to Capernaum. And immediately on the Sabbath, Jesus entered the synagogue and began to teach. And they were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority. And get this and not as the scribes. Let's set the scene here. Here they come. They, they come to this city that had a synagogue, which, by the way, in the New Testament, you see these synagogues all over the place. It's established by, by 10 Jews, in a sense, that, that would have this authority, and, and there would be one who was administrating over the synagogue, and, and they would go to these places. and on Sundays, or excuse me, on the Sabbath day, Saturday, they would come. And often they would open up the law, and they would begin to teach and begin to explain what the Torah was all about. Jesus, knowing that, he knew exactly where to gather his disciples and go to this place, the city of Capernaum. What's interesting about Capernaum is that it's geographically the the, the most north part of the Sea of Galilee, which actually is a lake. It's all encompassed. But here he is at the very furthest point away from Jerusalem. Matter of fact, he's closer to the Gentile world than he is to the Jewish world. And the city on the fringe of, uh, of those two things, you can imagine what this city looked like. Historians tell us that this city was evil that it had a lot of corruption. It was at the crossroads of many intersections. There was a lot of things happening within this city, but it was an important city nonetheless because lots of trades was happening. People were coming through this city. It was one of the largest cities on the Sea of Galilee, no doubt, it had had to do with with, uh, fish and fishermen selling. The commerce was big. The fishermen no doubt knew exactly what the city was all about. And because it was on the outskirts so far away, even there was a Roman garrison there to keep the people in line. And so there was so much action, so much trade, so much travel. So much so, it's remarkable to think this, but what Jesus does here pretty much condemns the city. Why? We know in Matthew chapter 11, verse 22, or 23 to 24, it says there, and you, Capernaum, this is where Jesus is, is pretty much condemning these cities because of the acts and the miracles that he performed and showed. He says, and you, Capernaum, will not be exalted to heaven, will you? You will descend to Hades, for if miracles had occurred in Sodom, which occurred in you, it would have remained to this day. Nevertheless, I say to you that it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. You talk about condemnation. Jesus shows up, he performs many miracles, and of course they turn the other way. They indulge in their sins, they continue to indulge in what they feel is right and good, selfishly. This was the city that Jesus sets up shop and begins to display his power and his authority as one who's going to come and bear the sins of the world. Yes, absolutely. It says, having arrived there, it says in verse 21, immediately, and remember, that's Mark's way of action. He, he, He gets us into the scene real quick. He says, immediately on the Sabbath, Jesus entered the synagogue and began to teach. I mean, he goes straight to the heart of Judaism. He goes straight to the heart of the religious system of the day. Now, this wasn't uncommon. Traveling rabbis would, would often, even scribes and Pharisees, they would, they would go to different synagogues. They would pop in. And so having a guest preacher that day would, would not be uncommon for them. They would have received Jesus very welcomely. And what Scripture tells us in the other Gospels is that word has gotten out. That Jesus performs miracles. And Jesus is very powerful. But here they, they, they come to a synagogue, which simply means a meeting place. And here they come on the Sabbath day where they would open the Torah. It was that day that they would open the Torah and they would begin to teach. And the rest of the days they would deal with civil matters and and they would find themselves making sure that that the society was running together. But on the Sabbath, the law was front and center. The law was front and center. According to Luke's gospel, when Jesus arrives at Capernaum, to do public ministry. It says in Luke 4, chapter or verse 14, so Luke 4, 14, and Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And, and this is why I'm saying the news has got it out. And news about him spread throughout all the surrounding district. And so his reputation preceded himself as he enters into the synagogue. The people knew that Jesus was a mover and shaker. And they were readily to accept his presence in the synagogue. All this sets the stage for him to say that I am Lord. I am King. That he has all authority. Like I noted earlier, Mark doesn't tell us anything about what he taught. It's just the reaction of the people. And he does this, which is pretty interesting to me. It not only shows us the reaction of the people of Jesus' teaching, but when it comes to the unclean spirit, it tells us the reactions of the demons as well. But this sets the stage. Verse 22 tells us that the people were amazed. 22 says then, they were amazed at his teaching, for he is teaching them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Beloved, that's the impact of Jesus' teaching. He comes in there and, and people are floored by what he said. I mean, he really upset the apple cart. But he came not earning this authority, but he came having the authority. And Mark points out two distinctive things about this authority. The first is that the people understood Jesus as one having it, like I'm pointing out. In other words, Jesus taught, he taught with conviction, he taught with power, and he taught with one like as if he is God, which by the way, he is. He drove into their hearts and souls the truth. Authority, you hear in the Greek, means having rule, having power, uh, one who is in charge. And he comes as one already displaying it, inherently having it. It's part of his character. It's part of his divine nature. The second distinction was that his teaching was not like the scribes. And and this, we have to ask the the text some questions. What what are they saying by this? There was a distinction that the people understood, and they noted it. And it was different than what the, the original religious leaders of the days would do. And to note this difference, we have to dive in to understand exactly how did the scribes teach? Why was it different? Of course, when we look to the scriptures and kind of summarize exactly how they approach the religious aspect of the days, we know that the scribes taught such a way that they often threw the weight of others on their backs so as to get the people in line. What do I mean by that? What they would do is that they would enter a synagogue and and instead of acting like they have authority, they would often quote rabbis, other scribes, other Pharisees, to do what they wanted the people to do. Their authority as a scribe came from their position more than who they were as a person. They were a a type of people that do as I say and not as I do type of people. They pulled rank often. And this is the heart of the scribe. And this is what these people in the synagogue that Sabbath day saw. They saw for Jesus, his words in and of themselves had the sound and weight of authority. According to John's gospel, Jesus is the word, right? He came in the flesh and dwelt amongst us. He is, according to John fourteen six, the truth, the way, and the life. And because of this, we read in verse 22 that the people were astonished and amazed, and literally the word Amazed means to strike with panic or shock. Their mouths were wide open when he spoke. Christ's words implied that there was, was no debate permitted. In other words, he came in and taught and he laid down truth. He spoke it. And it came as not only one who, who knows the truth, but one who believes the truth and one who practiced the truth. And in today's Christianity, we need preachers like that, do we not? We need Christians like that, who profess the name of Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, but because of their, their, their life and their action, it gives them credence to point to what they say. I mean, how often do we go out in the streets, and we, we talk to our friends and our relatives, and we talk to them about Christ and coming to Christ, And the question I ask, does your life match it? Does your life match your profession that Jesus is Lord of your life? Christ came in such a way with power and authority, what he spoke changed their lives. Which tells us very clearly the difference between the scribes and Jesus was that Jesus lived out the truth and the scribes didn't. And for Jesus to have this ultimate authority and power over the world, he must proclaim and then he must also display that what he says is backed up by what he has done. That is the point of what Mark's getting at here. He was different than the scribes. Why? Because he came as one who knew the truth. He came as one who owns the truth. And because of that, the people were amazed. That's exactly what happens. Nowhere in Scripture does it, it tells. us, matter of fact, it just tells us the opposite. Jesus never sinned. He came as one authority, one of power. He had, he had the ability to, to walk in total righteousness. All of that is because of the plan of God. We needed him to walk that way. In order, when salvation came and the sinner repents and believes, this imputed righteousness, this holiness, this righteousness of Christ would be transferred to you. And you would receive that as a believer in Jesus. Jesus having ultimate authority in teaching teaches something else. And this is where I really want to drive home to your hearts this morning. Don't be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He has the authority in teaching. We walk in boldness in the truth. The world's going to challenge it. Your families are going to challenge it. People are going to challenge it. But his word is supreme. It's eternal. We don't mess around with what Jesus says. If he declares something to be true and right and good, it is true, right, and good for eternity. Which gives us as Christians great hope. Because we can walk with the assurance that the word of God will always be right. Right. It will always be holy because it comes from one, even as scripture says, even the Old Testament that was breathed out by a holy and righteous God. It will not fall, it will not falter. Culture can't change it. Sin, Satan, nobody can change it. That's why it's best that you submit to what it says. Especially if you call yourself a Christian. The submission of the word of God in our soul is something that we hold on to, that we grasp, that we walk with. And we walk not with arrogance, but with boldness and confidence, knowing that what he has said, he is going to do. Authority in his teaching. And when he spoke, the people were amazed. As far as not only being a godly man of truth, he will show us that he has authority in his ministry by what he does. And this is divinely instructed. It wasn't surprising that there would be somebody there in an unclean way, especially within the religious system of the day where it was corrupt and unholy. But we see this starting in verse 23. Look at there. It says in the narrative, just then there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit. In other words, he had a demon in him and he cried out. He cried out saying, what business do we have with each other? Jesus of Nazareth, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him saying, be quiet and come out of him. It's remarkable. A situation happens and this demon comes. And this is what's surprising. The demon, the enemy, had right theology. He he points to Jesus and and he clearly understands the significance of what's happening here. And he asks, What business do we have with each other? In other words, the answer is none. And so the demon is terrified, and he asks, have you come to destroy us? He's thinking about the end when Jesus will throw all of them into the abyss. Is this the moment that you have come to destroy us? And then he gives them the, the messianic terminology, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. You have the situation where he sees the humanity of Jesus. He knows that Jesus was miraculously born and coming out of, of Nazareth. And he understands that Jesus is divine. You are the Holy One of God. The demon testifies that Jesus has this divine authority so much so that he knows that his existence could be Ending. It's remarkable. He, he, he will show us some other instances where he encounters demons. We think of Mark 3, we think of Mark 5. We think of these passages where he has ultimate authority and the demons, they they run scared. They're fearful. What business do you have do we have with you? In other words, just leave us alone. Let us go somewhere else. You can have your Sabbath service, but leave us alone. Demon having correct theology, but we know that demons don't For one, get saved. And two, they don't respond with this right theology. Their master is Satan. They desire to do the evils and his bidding in this world. But here they come with this truth that is right and Jesus rebukes them. I mean, it's interesting to me when I was just thinking about this and how the demons responded, how the people responded. The demon having clear theology that Jesus is the Messiah. It's throughout scriptures. And it's interesting to note, it's just even in the gospel of Mark, the contrast that there's often is between the way men address the Lord and how the demonic spirits address him in the scriptures. Take, for instance, the the sick people uh, throughout the gospels. We think about Mark 7 and, and verse 8 one sick person applies Jesus as Lord. They appeal to him as Lord. Mark chapter 9, verse 17, he is addressed as a sick person as a teacher. In chapter 10 of Mark, verse 47 and 48, he's called the son of David. And in chapter 10, verse 51, another person will call him, who had ailments, calls him master. And, and, and so you have this distinctive kind of uh, a human perspective of who this Lord is. We're trying to grasp it. But when we look at the demon's response as they look to Christ, we've already seen here in verse 24 that he, they, they directly say that he is the Holy One of God. We think of Mark chapter 3, where the demon calls him the Son of God. We think of Mark chapter 5, where he's called the Son of the Most High God. I mean, there's a ramping up of, of the demon theology of, of understanding rightly Jesus Christ as being the Messiah, as being God, And for us humans, it takes us a little while to get there. Here they are, having a right theology. Satan knows that. He knows the eternal plan of God. He's seen it unfold. He knows what his outcome would be. I mean, he's already been rebuked by Christ in the wilderness, and now he is in control even over his minions that he can make then the unclean spirit leave i think the practical aspect when we think about this though the demons have theology and, and those even though humans were amazed at his teaching when it comes very practically into our own souls if i was to ask you who jesus christ is what would you be your response would you give him the titles that he rightly deserves? The most holy one? The son of God? The king of kings? The Lord of lords? Savior? Do you explain Jesus as who he is according to the scriptures, according to his divine authority, according to his divine character? Listen, this is where Christianity separates from every other religion what they do with Jesus. There are many religions out there that make Jesus just a man who became a God or became a God, but that's not what the scriptures proclaim. Beloved, Jesus is God. And because of that, he has this ultimate authority to be able to command even the spirits to obey him. And the reason why Christ was so unwilling to accept this, even from a demon, he was unwilling to accept this because of the character of the man who said it. The character of the demon itself. And I think he's pointing something out to us here. There are many people who have head knowledge of Jesus Christ, but don't have heart knowledge. Listen, if you believe in Jesus Christ, it will affect your life. It's not if, but it will. And because of that, it will transform you in such a one as to be a follower of Christ. Not perfect, I'm not saying that. But having a devotion and a love for Christ that people around you know that he loves Jesus. She loves Jesus. Is Jesus Lord of your life? That's what he's getting at here. Not just head knowledge, but heart knowledge that leads your life being led by the power and the word of God. I think this is so crucial for our Christian understanding. This is where the rubber meets the road. We call you to come to Jesus. Why? Because we look at all the salvific things that he has done. We look at his atonement. We look at everything that he has done. But the issue comes down to this. If you have received him as your Lord and Savior, understand he has the position and the right of his position to be Lord of your life. He dictates everything. And why foolish would we allow somebody else ourselves included, to sit on the throne room of our life when we have the ultimate authority, the ultimate Savior, the ultimate Lord sitting on our life. He rightly deserves to be Lord of your life, not only because he saved you, but because he is Lord. And he desires your obedience to him. The reformer Martin Luther once said, the life of Christianity consists of possessive pronouns. What does he mean by that? And I think this is the point of the passage that Jesus is getting at. And it's simply this. It's one thing to say that Christ is your Savior, to say that Christ is a Lord, that he is a God. It, it's, it's interesting to point out the realities of who Jesus is, but it's a whole different game when you say that Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my Savior. Jesus is my King. The life of Christianity consists of possessive pronouns. Will you proclaim that Jesus is yours? The demon, he comes, he challenges Jesus and his authority, and I just love it. Verse 25, Jesus rebuked him saying, be quiet, come out of him. That's all he says. Go, go away. And then we hear a description of that. Verse 26, throwing him into convulsions, the unclean spirit cried out with a loud voice and came out of him. The demon obeyed. The people watching all this in the synagogue, verse 27, they were all amazed And so they debated among themselves, saying, who or what is this? A new teaching with authority. They recognized it. That Jesus had it all. Not only did he teach with authority, but he showed that he has authority over unclean spirits. Over the minions that run this this earthly world. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey them, was their thought. And immediately the news about him spread everywhere and to all the surrounding districts. I mean, Jesus, he muzzles the demon. He puts him away. He casts him out. And the people understand that this guy, he's the Holy One. He truly is one who is coming. And and this begins Jesus' ministry. According to the Gospel of Mark, he points to this event as being the climax, the, the, the climax of, of him coming and showing that he is the guy. And so he silenced the demon. And so like I said earlier, and kind of wrapping some of this up, does Jesus have all authority in your life? You think about that. You sift your soul this morning and this afternoon, this evening. I would encourage you to make it part of your lunch discussion looking at your kids, looking at your husband. It's Jesus, the ultimate and only authority in your life. Why? He won't share that authority with anybody else, beloved. And what better way to have the King of kings and Lord of lords, the one who has saved you and redeemed you, who has forgiven you, who has given you grace. It is best for him to sit there on the throne room of your heart and let him be there. And when you open the scriptures, <clears throat> you're not just reading a story about a guy who might take the will. This is the guy who owns the will. He has all authority, and he has all power, and he has every ability to to, to lead your life in such a way that will give him glory and bless your life. Does Jesus have so authority in your soul that when we go to the Scriptures based upon an issue of life, a decision of life, we're going to follow what the Word of God says. Jesus, being Lord, having authority, obeying His truth, knowing that He is King, knowing that He is Lord, knowing that He is Savior, that is the position that he has in the believer's life. Listen, very simply, if that's not the case for you, repent. What do I mean by that? Turn from your way of thinking and turn towards what is biblical and right, knowing that Jesus has all authority in your life. If Your eyes are open to this, even as you're struggling in your Christian life. This is where it all begins. You want to get right with the Lord? You want to get healthy with the Lord? You want to honor the Lord? Put him where he, where he rightly belongs. First, supreme, ultimate. It's kind of funny that I say give him that position because he already has that position. He is the one who has the authority to save your soul, to lead you to what is right, to what is godly, to hold you firm in a a culture that, that attacks its truth. Hold on to the authority of Jesus in your life. Amen? Lord, we thank you for a simple truth this morning in a narrative where Christ comes And teach us in such a way that showing his authority that the people were amazed. In turn, he shows it and how he is able to even command the unclean spirits out of a man to regain a soul and to be captive and captain of that life. Lord, we we continue to be amazed. And as our desire as Christians who desire to follow your truth, help us burn that deep into our soul that you are the ultimate authority and the only authority that our soul needs. You are sufficient. You are good. You are holy. You are powerful. All these things describe your lordship in our life. Help us to embrace that. And what a fool to think that you can fight that authority. Maybe even with human reason. Think maybe there's a different way or a better outcome. Helpfully squash our thoughts and make them in submission to what you have said and proclaimed so that we embrace it as ours. We thank you for being King, Lord, and Savior. We pray these things. In your name the only name that gives us life the only name that redeems us from our sin the only name that has the truth I pray in your name amen
0: welcome to the magic valley bible church sermon podcast magic valley bible church has been serving the magic valley for 20 years and is located at the corner of Gooding and Main Street in downtown Twin Falls, Idaho. Our service starts at 9 a.m. and is streamed live on our YouTube channel. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.mvBibleTF.org or Facebook at facebook.com/mvBible or YouTube at youtube.com/mvBible. Magic Valley Bible Church, built on God's Word.